All right. Well, welcome back to the Adventist City Ministries podcast. My name is Andrew. And my name is Jeff. And we're so glad to be here with you guys. You know, it's been a little while since we've recorded anything because we've been pretty busy, Jeff, right? How, yeah. Where have you been? Um, I've had the privilege of traveling and sharing uh, ideas about the Ephesus model with people in other places in the world. I went to Asia and uh, was in Thailand for a bit and then to, was in Cambodia and followed that with South Korea. It's a really glorious time. Got to speak with some leaders and share how God is working here at Simplicity and also in how he intends to work in the rest of the world as well. They're doing some marvelous things already in those places. Yeah, it sounds like it. It's so great to see what other people are doing and be inspired. And uh, it sounds like there's a, there's a lot going on, there's some good stuff with ministry. Yeah. 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 And even here, we're small, but God is, is leading. And uh, so we continue to rejoice in the people he gives us and how we uh, get the privilege of working with them and mentoring them in their lives. Yeah, we, uh, uh, it's Sabbath today, and you know, we, we, had a, we just had a Bible study with a couple that we've been working with for a while now. And just to be part of their lives has, has been a wonderful experience to see them grow and just how God has opened up their minds and hearts to the truth of the gospel and the way that their family is seeing that, that uh, them change. It, it's just such a, a beautiful thing. Yeah, and becoming more and more convinced that the Bible and Jesus taught that in every community and in, in, in the world around us, there, there's these people who are people who are of influence or um, they're sort of placed there um, for the purpose of reaching a larger group of people. Like, uh, so um, it, it turns out like with this group that, you know, we had the privilege of leading our brother Ivan into the message of the Lord Jesus Christ and he married and his wife now is studying and his son, their son and, and uh, the mother-in-law. And it just kind of keeps expanding the notion of where this could go. They're sort of doorkeepers that these types of people, like they are gatekeepers. And uh, we should t- intentionally look for them like Jesus did when he did his work uh, here while he was here on earth. He would often find people who were like Jairus or uh, people like that, that had uh, insight into the community and then uh, he would work through them and great things happened. We should have that same approach to things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we can see it in other places when Paul talks about finding, you know, his Aquila and Priscilla and that's right. And setting up in the community so that there's a connection, not just, you know, cause sometimes we just have Bible studies and we invite people out to these things, but to really know what, it's like to be a part of a community and a culture. You have to live there for some time. You know, some some places you 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 can't even really be considered a a resident until you've been there for at least you know five, even maybe ten years. Right in Pennsylvania, it's a well known fact that if you don't, you can live in a place for ten years and you're still the new guy. You know, it's just the way it is. But God is good. He has His plans go way ahead of ours, and so. We can patiently wait on him as we try to reach others with the good news of the gospel because he's, he's faithfully op- he faithfully opens doors. We have to be satisfied both with you know, how quickly that happens and when it happens and all of those things, just being faithful and being available for 
Tim. Yeah, we're we're in Center City right now. We're recording this at the center. So, you know, if you hear the occasional sounds of the city, you know, it's it's what we've got. That's the authentic thing. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can see how our approach to ministry is is really starting to to change and shift because it's not a coincidence that we're getting ideas and we're seeing, okay, we could stay in this place and continue on this way but I think we'll struggle a little bit. So we're, we're getting some new ideas and how we can adapt to the, the children that we're getting and the, and the, the types of families and, and the people that we're working with. So one of the principles is adapt and, and change and grow because we, uh, you know, people, people don't stay the same. People, the same, uh, people don't always come and we have to be ready. So we've been thinking about expanding some of our programming, you know, separating things out so it's a little bit more focused on certain certain groups like with just a kids program and then just a bible study and um we've never really done a house church model and that's something that's also uh, been on my mind about starting to focus on okay, what would it look like if we actually would go into somebody's home and invite them to open up their home to the you know, a, a limited. Yeah, I think I'm very excited about the possibilities there. And, uh, just the fact that we've had people offer their home already is, is encouraging. I would invite anybody that's listening to, you know, come alongside us in some of these adventures because it's, it's exciting to kind of keep changing things up in order to uh, meet the needs of individuals and have the opportunity to share the good news of the gospel with them. It's an exciting prospect that even the Apostle Paul, if you stop and think about it, it was probably, it wasn't midway into his second missionary journey where he finally came to understand the uh, some of the principles of the Ephesus model that we, we've written about and, um, and then that we're going to talk about eventually. He changed some major things up, and we're going to talk about, we're going to do a whole series on the Ephesus model as we go forward so that we can share some of the principles that Paul discovered in his work. And it took him a while to get there, uh, to finally come to some conclusions, like one, for example, from now on, I will preach Christ and him crucified, something to that effect. Um, even the essence, the very essence of what he was bringing to the community, you know, in terms of the word of God, you know, changed. And so, um, you know, we got to keep, you, you have to keep trying uh, new things, leave no stone unturned in order to reach people with the truth, this eternal truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, what would it look like if we said, oh, well, we're not going to focus on prophecy or health programs or, you know, some of the, the, the mainstays of our, of our evangelism. I'm not saying those things are, are, are um, bad in any way, but just what would it look like if we said, okay, we're just going to talk about Jesus from now on and not so much these other kind of programs that have evolved and are very traditional in our Adventist culture. Right. And, uh, not worry so much about a doxology or how a service looks or feels or, but that the word is being lent 
It's, you know, that it's, it's that people are actually hearing the Bible exposed and seen in, in, in individuals. Like after church today, we spend time in council with people who were, you know, with struggling with things. And so sometimes the, as we enter into the word, it leads to, it should lead to personal ministry, you know, I mean, you know, and it might have to happen right at church in the pews with people. And so we have to be open to these things and just ready to uh, say, um, I'll do whatever it takes. And as long as the Holy Spirit is doing it through me and I'm willing and, and uh, like I said before, we'll do what, uh, whatever comes to mind or whatever changes we need to make along the way. There is a great thing to be said for continuity and, uh, and holiness and all those things that come with church as we grew up with. There's a lot to be said, but there's also a lot to be said with the idea of let's shuffle it a little bit every now and then so it, it's not just about us. Uh, that it's about God and it's about the people who don't know about him and, and how we can somehow create an atmosphere where they can enter into worship just as, as well as we do. Yeah, successful, a good marker for successful ministry for me is, no, is seeing that it, um, it creates the ability to have greater relationships so that when you, when you enter into ministry, when you are with people, you know, uh, has, is what you've pre- been presenting, is it conducive to growing uh, in your, does it, bind, does it bind you closer together? Does it allow you to um, come closer to that person? And, you know, uh, whereas the opposite of it's, okay, here's the information. Now I've got to go do this other thing. And, but with what we're seeing is that the more we, interact with people in a gospel sense, the better connections we have with them and the more dialogue it creates, the more uh, hunger that it creates in them to, to be with us. And, you know, this is a principle that, that we've been talking about that, you know, when we become a Christian and we have healthy ideas about the gospel, then people will actually want to be around us and, and experience life with us. And that it, it it just brings so much joy because then I know it's not me because the the me that I that I know from growing up and in high school and you know this brooding teenager who who didn't like people you know it's it's a signal to me that well, God is actually really working in my heart and then He's able to to use me to reach other people. Yeah, it is a good. It's good to know that God is at work in, in us because it's the, it's the only way we know that anything's going to work in terms of uh, bringing people to the cross is, is if Jesus is alive and well in us, you know, and uh, is the one who's drawing people uh, to the words that he puts in our mouths. So the whole process is all about him. And I don't even have to have the words that I written out that I want to say that, uh, that God uh, through the Holy Spirit has promised that he will tell us what to say to the people that we encounter and that through our lives that we can, you know, if, help them to affect change in the, in the world around us. Uh, it's the only way it's going to happen. And uh, it's a, it is a life practice, though. I will say that it's something that you have to keep working at in terms of 
you know, waking up every day and inviting the Holy Spirit into your heart to be the control master of your, your day uh, so that you have a spirit-led day. Uh, otherwise, uh, we end up being powerless Christians and we might have a form of godliness, but we're without the power. That's right. Yeah, we really need to come to the terms with what God is really offering us to to not rely on our our own ability and the the things that we think we have to do in order to be pleasing to Him. But He's He's so ready to pour out His love upon us and just to to come to Him and, and be willing to receive that. So for today, our our topic is. Uh, really kind of focusing on uh, tying up some loose ends. So we've gone through nine episodes now of just really talking about the the gospel in generality and and trying to give a, a framework to uh, a foundation to to work off of. Um, so we we want to kind of summarize what we've what we've gone through in these past nine uh, podcast episodes and and kind of make everything concise with okay, where do we go from here? Okay. Yeah, I think that that's that's a good place, and it won't take us long because now we can kind of re- rely on some of the things we've talked about before. We'll use some scripture today for you to look at on your own, and uh, and we'll try to highlight uh, what we're talking about with regards to those scriptures. But we just need to put uh, put it sort of in a in a um, abbreviated form so that you can share the good news of the gospel with another person. Uh, very effectively. And we start with Romans 1.16, because uh, according to the Apostle Paul, the gospel is the righteousness of God, and that's where he speaks of that. So Romans uh, chapter 1, for those of you who have the word in front of you, you can get it out and we can look at it together. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 goes like this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. So I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. That's, a, an, an, that's an exciting text. I've always loved this text because it is very succinct in telling us what brings salvation. Uh, and uh, and uh, we only need uh, salvation if we know we need salvation. Uh, in other words, uh, we have to understand that uh, we need to be saved from sin in order for us to need a Savior. So Paul tells us, and, and then and by the time he gets to Romans 3.21, he says this, he says, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testified. By this, he, he means that, uh, that this righteousness of God's was planned by God and actually made effective by God himself. So the, the gospel or the righteousness of God, the power of God that brings salvation to everyone, he planned it, he enacted it, and has made it known. It's, has a, uh, it's everything that he does and not ourselves. This righteousness, or that we've talked about righteousness before, this righteousness is planned by God, uh, and he planned it way ahead of me ever being here. Isn't that something, Andrew, that, uh, that God had a plan in mind 
before, probably before even we were created, if sin should befall any creature in his created universe. Right. And I, it's not even like a, an afterthought. It's not like you had to go through all these millions of permutations of the way that things could go and try to find, okay, well, how can I, how can I make these people righteous? You know, it, it was uh, a plan from the beginning, uh, certainly not a, a plan B, but something that we can rely on and know that God loves us because if he has this plan for us, then yeah, he's, <laughs> we can, we can know just how, how committed he is to us. Yeah, Ephesians. In Ephesians, there's a text that I like that kind of explains this a little bit. Ephesians 1, 4 says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So he had us in mind before the creation because of who he is, right? He had us in his eyesight, uh, even though he knew that sin would happen, that, that we would be holy and blameless in his sight, and that could only happen through his his righteousness and his son, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm glad that that we are told that because so often we can feel like, you know, we we don't deserve anything, you know, right. that we, not that we don't deserve anything, but that like, why should, why should it even matter? You know, why, why does this even, how is it possible that good things could come to, to us, to me? And so, so, so God is reminding us that, he has the best intentions for us. Yeah, I mean, it says, I mean, if you break that down, he chose us. It's good to be chosen. You know, God, God looked ahead and he said, I, you know, I want Andrew, right? It wasn't predestined, predestination. He wanted all of humanity. He chose us when it uses the word us. It's, it's a sort of a corporate term of the human situation. But he chose us in him in other words, uh, he, God looked ahead and he said, well, this him, this Jesus Christ, his son, I can choose my, my children through him, those who follow him and accept his righteousness as their own, who, who, take, who allow uh, Jesus' righteousness to become their own. He chose us in him before the creation of the world. Before, you know, God could have, you think about it, he could have avoided a lot of trouble and just said, you know what, that was a bad idea to create the world. Because right. he could, in just this text, it, it indicates that he saw there was going to be a problem, right? Or a potential problem. He could look ahead and he could see the future and he, he could have avoided the yeah. whole creation fiasco, you know, by just changing his mind and say, well, maybe yeah. let's, but. I'm, I'm glad God didn't do that. Yeah, amen. Because, <laughs> I mean, well, we wouldn't be here, but then it would be like, I don't know if you if you're talking to God one day and you come across this box of blueprints. It's like, oh, well, what are these, God? Oh, well, these are all the things that I planned, but they didn't really work out. Right. So I just kept on trying, and I don't think God is like that. He He loves us so much, and the, right. the way that His creative thought process works is that once He thinks of something, He takes it to its its completion. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you put it that way because this is really about his agape or his unconditional love for us. Once, even as we were just a thought in God's mind, he began to unconditionally love us in his future. <laughs> you know, he, he couldn't go forward, not go forward with that because of his love for us. And so the plan was laid out and he chose us in Christ 
before he created the first tree or the first flower or the first human he chose us and uh to be blameless in his sight well certainly i haven't lived a blameless life i don't know about you so there had to be a solution to that god had and it he he says it in that text it's in him it's that little motif that i think we've talked about in the past um of being tucked into Christ and into his history and into everything that he's done on our behalf that allows us to be blameless and to be holy in God's sight. God looks at us, that's being in his sight, and he says, oh, that's, that's Andrew. Mm-hmm. He's holy and blameless because of my son. Yeah, so not just getting credit for what Jesus does, but actually getting to actively participate mm-hmm. in, in who Christ is. Because, you know, if we just get credit for it, if it's just this kind of legal document and it's written down and it's like, okay, it looks good on paper, but it actually doesn't just apply there, but it, it moves in, in our life. And we get to, you know, as we grow up into Christ, every day there's this renewed promise that, in Jesus, we little by little get to experience, okay, well, this is what it's like to be a, a son or a daughter of mm-hmm. God and to be included. And, and today we were talking about how the brain works and the, the chemistry and to now know that, okay, well, I, I don't have to go by the old thought patterns that I had and the the path of least resistance as it is in human flesh and to to focus on emotion and and the way we would we would react and you know fight or flight that kind of thing but we have this new option this this new path that we can go in and little by little every day we as we slowly grow into Christ we can we can go down that new path and that really is the life of Christ being lived out in us. If, if Jesus were here right now, you know, like he was teaching us, okay, this is, how, this is how to live. He wants to do that for us every day. Yeah, and he's, he actually, you know, he promised it right from the beginning. You know, it wasn't so long after Adam and Eve sinned that he made a promise where he, he said that, you know, in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you, and you will strike his heel. He, he, because the, the plan was made before the creation, for he made this promise that Jesus, this, this is the promise of Jesus, that he would come and he would end sin and he would restore who we are. And I think from the very beginning, um, of of uh, the circumstances that Adam and Eve experienced in this world, they they took hold of that knowledge, just like we take hold of when we take hold of the gospel. We understand that it this is what saves us. Yeah. This is salvation, and it it's very simple. And that is is that from uh, Revelation three eighteen says that Jesus was the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. In other words, God was going to do His part way back when. As the world was being created, even before, uh, you know, the, uh, sin had come, God had a lamb. 
and it was or the idea of it at least was prepared uh, with a knowledge that sin was going to happen and so uh, we can have that you know that confidence that God has found a way to redeem us back to him through his son Jesus Christ and we have to what we have to know about that is um, that it it was all about him and it had nothing really to do with us. Now, when we say that, that it has nothing to do with us, how do we, how do we process that? Because so often we, it's our, just our natural default to say, okay, God, what do I have to do? You know, what's, what's my part in this? What about me? I mean, how do we wrap our heads around, okay, okay, God has promised that he's going to do this thing and I don't have any part in it and I can't contribute anything to it. And how do we really take a hold of that and understand that? And especially in our modern context where everything is go, 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 me, 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 let's, let's make some money here. You know, how do we do that? Yeah, it's a good question because uh, we're built on a, the premise of, you know, if I don't do it, it doesn't get done. Right, that's kind of what is at the heart of a lot of our thinking, and yet and this is the case. In this case, is we're helpless against what sin has done to humanity and the world in and of ourselves. If if my brain has a choice to make between sin and another option, my natural, the natural man in me chooses to follow after sin. And so that God has to handle that problem with inside of me before I can even make a choice. And we'll get into that more because it's not, the gospel doesn't end just with the good, the sort of objective nature of what God has done on our behalf. But that is the good news that God has come all the way to us. When I was a young man, I used to think that I need to try as hard as I can. And that's where God meets me and takes me the rest of the way home. And that's a, not really a true gospel. That's, that's sort of like a, a sophisticated gospel of righteousness by works. And because it's going to be uh, based on the idea of how far I can get with what I can do, right? And then God can get, take me from there. But the reality is God starts with me at the flat line. He says, listen, you're a sinner that needs a Savior. And even in the small decisions in life, um, this, what we would consider small sins, you know, we find ourselves subject to them over and over and over again because we don't give the small sins. We don't give the victory to Jesus in the small areas of life. So the Bible says, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith? And if that's the sort of litmus test of our readiness, will he find faith in us? We have to believe then that, that what we need to focus on and our focus on is a daily a life that daily reflects on what Christ has done on our behalf and, and the belief that that is now applied to us. Do we spend time in the Word knowing that Jesus has paid the price at the cross? Do we spend time asking for the Holy Spirit to be within us on a daily basis and be in control? And so there is something for us to do, and that is to lay at the cross of Jesus. Oftentimes, we don't do that, though. Oftentimes, we're more worried about the activity or the, you know, the work that we need to do uh, in order to be. Man, I, you know, it's just so practical for anybody who's ever dieted. 
in their life. And, you know, we all know, have heard about rebound dieting is this, we can lose 15 pounds and then we mm-hmm. can you gain know, more. And yeah, there's a, there's a back. funny saying is people, I've lost a lot of weight over the years and people come in and uh, they say, man, you've lost a lot of weight lately, Dr. McAuliffe Avenue. I said, no, nah. I said, I lost 75 pounds or so. He said, but for a long time, it was the same five pounds over and over and over again. And that gets to <laughs> 75 pretty quickly. And so like, you know, and that's, that's sort of how sin is. Like we think we're going along and we're doing really good because we're trying really hard. It's very deceptive because when you have this infinite God and then you're putting all this weight on what you can do, it becomes immensely stressful because, okay, well, I've got to appear to have everything together. And it can, there have just been so many situations where it's, it's led people to unhealthy thoughts because of, okay, this is, this is how good I need to be in order to be acceptable to God. And, you know, even, even though sometimes we don't, we don't put it like that, we don't, we don't say it's a hopeless situation. That's, that's the result of it. You know, that's the fruit of the belief that you have to put in some kind of effort uh, in order to, in order to, for the gospel to, you know, apply to you and for it to be active. Um, yeah, it's it, it's very difficult because I mentioned the idea of faith, but the Bible even teaches that that God to every man is given a measure of faith, right? And so it's even the the faith is delivered to us, and so I think it's just. You know, it's a, a matter of recognizing uh, our need for a solution. And that's, the, that's where it starts with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit then says, okay, well, I'm going to give you some faith to believe that what Christ said he did, he did on your behalf. It was his righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, that uh, we're calling the, uh, the righteousness of God, that we're calling the gospel. And, it, and, and I want to wrap it up to, to help us to understand where we move forward from here, that uh, the, that righteousness is an, it's, that we're talking about is an objective standard. That is to say, this is what God did outside of us for us. It's what is, what some people say he inputted, he inputs it into us or imputes it to us, but it's his activity. And with that sort of, uh, defining uh, panoramic, we can say, okay, well, the, the righteousness of Christ is fulfilled by God through his birth, Jesus' birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And I, you know, I don't know how you feel about this or others feel about this, but I, I include the ascension because it adds an element to our experience. And so all of those things are things that Jesus did outside of us. We had nothing to do with his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. This is what God did. Each one of them is, is integral to our understanding or to really taking in. And we could, we could spend many, many, many sessions, you know, kind of just uh, anticipating each one of those. And there's some subsets to that. Like the, some people say a subset is like uh, his anointing or something along those lines. There's so many things in his life that we haven't really addressed. But with these five, we can kind of look to certain texts and we can see them come, become evident. If, if you have your Bible still with you, turn to Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and I just want to see, see how you can begin to exegete um, or 
kind of ferret out that this is the, the reality of the gospel. It says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. And this is the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David. So just taking that first uh, portion into uh, context, that he had an earthly life, that God's son, the son of God, had an earthly life. If he had an earthly life, that means he had a birth. So those, both those things are taken into you know, the contextualization there, that he was a descendant of David, that he was human in that, and that through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. That also implies something, two things. One is, is that he died and that there was a resurrection. And so we, we can exegete all you know, four of those things. And if we went a little bit further, we could find out that he ultimately ascended to the Father, where he, now we live in him in heavenly places in Philippians chapter 2. And so these things are there, but what do they mean to us is the questions. What we need to at least understand as we move forward, though, is, is that the gospel is a righteousness, this righteousness of God that is all his doing on our behalf or in behalf of a fallen human race, not just, you know, us as individuals, but the whole corporate humanity, God came along and said, okay, I'm in what I have to do here in order to resolve this. Cause he saw us through creation, through the, he saw us and he chose us to be righteous and blameless. And in order to get from where we were in sinful, our sinfulness to there, God says, okay, I have to send my son. So when we read these Bible stories about Jesus and they're presented to us, you know, we often take them as something that is, you know, so far outside of ourselves or, you know, it's so disconnected from us. And we, we put those things up on a pedestal as something that we, we can't really ever attain. But what the gospel is saying is, no, no, there's, there's no separation. There's no, there's no distance between what Jesus has done for us. Everything that God had done through Jesus, it was a good, it was a perfect thing, but it was ultimately meant for us to reconcile us to God, to bring us back to God, and give us a new life and a new history. So when we, when we approach the gospel and the stories of the Bible and the life of Jesus, it's all about being practical and every, everything has its bearing in terms of, okay, this is a new experience for you. This is a new existence. And everything has its bearing and will work a fruit out in your life if you can accept it as, by faith that it is now completely yours and you didn't do anything in order to deserve it. Yeah, it's, it's almost too good to believe, but it's the reality of what the Bible teaches and Paul teaches in the New Testament and that the, you know, the entirety of God's work, everything that he, do, he did through Jesus Christ and, and as is described by the Apostle Paul, is the right, his righteousness bearing bearing forth and it's that righteousness that or that holy history of jesus his every and i mean all the stories and, and you know what you know what's so gracious and, and glorious about what god about jesus he, remember jesus said greater things will you do 
right? In other words, uh, as we take this as our reality, we look at his life and all the miracles that he did. He says greater things are going to happen in the future through my people than right. these things. And like, then, yeah, exactly. And then when you add a group of believers who believe like this, who oh, amazing. Yeah, it's not not just one person taking this to heart and practicing it, but then you get an entire community of people who believe that, oh, this is my Jesus. This is, he didn't just go around and healing people and doing this and going to that place just to fill pages and information and a biography of his life. But as an example for us, this is who you are now, renewed in, in, in this life that eclipses anything that, that we can think of or produce in our own human strength. It's very exciting, though, isn't it, Andrew? I mean, uh, it's, it's exciting. It's giving to, me chills right now. Just yeah, to just to it. think about. And, and I'm one who's always been looking for a body, you know, or a, a group of people who were willing to accept this, this notion and move, move into it mm -hmm. in faith and, and be part of what it could look like. It would be so exciting, and it will be. We're going to experience that before the Lord comes because that's the promise of the Lord. So... In summary, it's just something that we need to state because now from here, then we want to look at some more details of what we're talking about, but that the, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ is entirely the work of God. It just has the, nothing to do with what we've done and that it's all constituted in, in Christ's history. That is to say, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and everything in between. I don't, you know, those are the highlights that we're probably going to discuss along the way, but everything in between, like we talked about miracles, there's even God wants to do that kind of stuff too, in his, through his people and in his people as we move into faith. And that when um, this is the only thing that uh, saves us sinful men from our sins, and that is to say, and, and I mean now and in the judgment, it's important in the now because now we can live confidently in Christ as Christians. We don't always have to be have a schizophrenic sort of experience of forgiveness and assurance, but we can live confidently in Christ, and we also can, can confidently stand in the judgment so there's no fear for us there. So when we receive the faith that God accounts or attributes to a man as we ask for it in our lives, the gospel becomes our justification. It changes our, uh, our position before God, and it's because of his righteousness that he's put forth in his son, Jesus Christ. So in our sessions to follow, we're going to kind of break that down a little bit more. We're going to talk about each one of those elements, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and even his ascension and what it means to us today. And I think there's some really exciting things that we're going to get to talk about together. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, if you guys have any comments or questions, we would love to hear from you. Check out our website at VenicityMinistries.com for more information. There's resources. And as we say, thank you so much for listening. God bless. Thanks for listening. Visit AdventistCityMinistries.com for more resources, including a study guide, reference compilation, and free downloads of our book, The Ephesus Model. You can also listen to other presentations and episodes of this podcast. See the show notes for links and more information.